A dream can be anything. Whether yours is to start a business, be in a healthy relationship, pursue your dream career, or to get right spiritually, every week the Dream Check Podcast brings you tips, tricks, and real-life insight from people who are living their dreams to the fullest. I'm Nicole Ivanoff, an established international wedding photographer and wife. Like you, I have so many dreams, some of which I've lived out and others I'm still pursuing daily. I'm a girl from suburban Detroit who's made her way out to LA, and although I'm no guru, I have a heart to show you that if I or anyone who comes on this podcast can do it, so can you. Welcome to the show. Time to check in. All right. Good to go. We're recording. What's up, friends, and welcome back for not just any other episode on the Dream Check podcast, but the last episode of season one. I'm so excited. This season has been so amazing and so just unexpected, um, amazing guests that came on the show. And next season is going to be even better. I cannot wait for you guys to see who we have planned. Today is going to be really fun and really interesting. I am going to answer probably one of the most asked questions I've received, which is, what is your testimony? Along with, you know, talking about some purity questions, just some faith stuff. And we're going to get super personal. My friend Courtney Acuna is going to be interviewing me and she actually runs my podcast. She is my podcast manager. She pretty much does everything. And she thought this would be a really good idea because I tried interviewing myself a couple months ago and it was really awkward and the episode will basically never see the light of day. So we're doing a redo here and she's going to interview me and yeah, let's welcome her to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, this was your idea. I know. I was about to say I invited myself. (laughs) You really did. You've been really pushing for this and I I think it's going to be good. I'm excited to sit back and relax a little. I think it'll be good because I don't think you give yourself enough credit. Like you're so excited to have all these amazing guests on, but like you are also at that caliber of a like person in general. And I think that when people really get to hear your side of the story, because so far you're obviously you share like throughout the episodes, but this will be the first time that we really like dig deep into you. Secretly, I've been avoiding it, (laughs) (laughs) but I appreciate, um, I appreciate the, the nice words. Well, I think, I think the reason why, like for real, for real, I just, I've obviously listened to the episodes and the other day I was hearing, I was listening to the episode of you and Tori Masters and just, it's such a good episode. And my jaw is like dropped the whole time. Like, wow, these are real things that, you know, we should be striving for. I almost mm-hmm. feel like I can't, like it almost mm-hmm. feels too unobtainable. Mm-hmm. But then I like have a flashback or like a realization that like, wait, I actually know where, like how far you have come, mm-hmm. which means it is. Attainable. Attainable for anyone Mm -hmm. because like your story and not to say that like you were a bad person or anything you weren't, but your pursuit was not anywhere on on this map, much less like in this direction. And so I think if more people got to hear that, that they also would feel super inspired and, and it does make it feel a little bit more like, oh, I can do this. Like Mm -hmm. if she can do it, I can do it. And so I kind of wanted to just push you a little bit and I know that, <laughs> like when we're getting coffee like or whatever by ourselves it's really easy to talk about and obviously mm-hmm. for it to be blasted across you know the internet or yeah. online or whatever is very different but I know that you know it'll feel like that 
in the moment. And I'm sure it might feel a little different when this actually airs, but I know that so many people will be helped. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I love sharing my story, um, in a personal setting, obviously like one-on-one with friends. Like I think the first time you and I shared our testimonies, we were like in Colorado in a hot tub, you know, not being recorded. And I do think I have come a long way and I never give myself enough credit. It's probably one of my biggest flaws is, and my husband will say this, I don't view myself the way others view me. And I think a lot of us like struggle with that, but I do also have to remind myself, like I have come so far. Like when I, you know, when Tori's talking about, you know, striving to be this wife and, and I do agree with you in some aspects, even for me, I'm like, oh, I was so like during that episode, I remember feeling so like I was receiving so much that it was hard for me to even like interview her because I was like so encouraged and like taken back by everything she said that I'm like trying to listen to respond, but I'm also like receiving this message. But I think at the end of the end of the day, just giving ourselves grace for where we are in our journey. And my journey is very interesting because I didn't grow up a Christian at all. And I feel like some people assume that I've been, you know, in the faith my whole life. I was raised Catholic, but I think just that's just what you did. Like you put your kids in catechism. We went to church on Christmas and Easter. It wasn't like a relationship. It wasn't like a conversation at the dinner table we talked about. We didn't pray like there was none of that. It was basically like more of a legalistic, like you sin, you go to hell. And that's pretty much all I knew. It was never anything I desired to like seek further. And I moved to LA in 2000, end of 2016. And my roommate at the time, who's also Catholic, she's Christian now, but her boyfriend at that time was going to Zoe, which is the church that, you know, I'm a part of now. And they which were, is how we met. Yes, which is how we met. And which is how I literally have met all my best friends and my husband. And very long story short, they invited me a couple weekends in a row and I had said no. And then just so ironic, like this, my whole like testimony and story revolves around like dating and sex and like body image and like all that stuff. But he was like, oh, there's really cute guys there. Like, you'll love it. Just come. And I was like, cute guys, let me put on a cute outfit. Like, let's do this. And I went and I got saved that day. And it was January 17th, 2017. Or January 8th, 2017. So just a couple short months after I moved to LA. And what's crazy is I remember in that moment, like, you know, people are worshiping and I look over at my roommate and I was like, why do people have their hands up? Am I supposed to like sing with my hands in the air. Like, what is this about? And she was like, you can do whatever you feel comfortable. Like you don't have to like have your hands up. And, you know, at the end they do that call where, you know, if you want to say yes to Jesus, you know, on the count of three, no one's looking, you know, all heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you want to like give your life to Jesus, like just raise your hand. I didn't even, I didn't even like, I feel like intentionally put my hand up. Like, it was such a Holy Spirit moment, I know, which will sound weird to anyone listening who maybe isn't familiar with the Holy Spirit, but like, it just was, I just threw my hand up and like, I started sobbing and like, I do not cry. Like, it's just a thing about me. You know that about me. I'm not really an emotional person, but because of that, I feel like God uses my emotions for the Holy Spirit to speak to me. So whenever I get emotional, I know like the Holy Spirit is trying to talk to me because that since the day I got saved, that's like been his form of communicating with me. So yeah, that was January of 2017. And then 
that year, it was, it was really interesting just on like photo shoots. A lot of my clients, like new clients, people I'm just meeting for the first time, you know, they would say, Oh, do you go to church around here? And it was just like everyone that kept walking into my life was a Christian or a believer, which I've heard is very rare for Los Angeles. But for me, that was just like, God just was throwing people like Christians in my path. And that was, yeah, that was 2017. So the end of 2017, I remember it was Thanksgiving of 2017 and I drank too much wine and ended up sleeping with someone that night. And I remember waking up the next day because I was in that like figuring out like, oh, what does the Bible say about dating? What does it say about sex? But not really like reading too much into it. I just was like, oh, I guess I'm a Christian now, but I don't really know what that means quite yet. And I remember feeling like convicted and I didn't even really know what that meant at that time either. I just felt like I don't like how I feel right now. And it was kind of like a, I've never experienced that with sex before. It was always like, oh, that was a great night. Had a one night stand. I feel great. When can we do that again? But this time it was like, wait, something feels off. And I did not like it. And so after that night, I remember saying like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to have sex anymore. I don't want to like, I just don't want any part of that. And it was really from that moment on that I really like dove into what does the Bible say about sex? What does, what does God say about relationships, about the type of people we should date, about the, about how should I, do I need to change? Like what part of me needs to change? And that's when I really dove into like, I bought every faith-based relating or relationship, sex, dating, book that you could think of. Like I've read every single one on the market. I have watched every YouTube sermon series on faith, relationships, dating. And I just became addicted to the point where like, I thought I knew it all, which is like a story for another day. But once I started reading all these books and figuring out like, wow, this makes sense. Like even if I wasn't a Christian, like this makes sense. And yeah, that's kind of like the beginning stage of my testimony if you will. What was like the immediate feeling that you felt after you did like raise your hand and you were like, I don't even fully know what this means, but like, what was like the before and after feeling that you felt? I just was overwhelmed. Like, I don't really even know how to describe how I felt. It was like an out of body experience. Like overwhelmed in a good way? In a good way. Like it was, I had so many feelings and emotions. And of course the message that day was like, so for me, I wish I remembered what it was. But I just remember feeling so filled with love and like so overwhelmed and like hope. Like I felt hopeful for my future, even though I wasn't really sure what that meant at the time. It's like one thing to just like get saved and like we're, you know, such a people by natural design, I feel like without something to look towards or strive towards, like we kind of tend to feel hopeless. Mm-hmm. And that, and and that's why I think in those moments, It is like you said, like, I didn't even realize what I was doing. My hand went up, but Mm -hmm. that was such a natural, like it just happened. But what was the actual transition or like decision making process of no, now I'm actually not going to have sex. So I think it was the feeling that I had after. And I think being surrounded by people who had similar, who, you know, who were waiting for sex until marriage and. I was almost like ashamed and embarrassed. Like I didn't, I had no one to go run and tell and like be joyful about it. And I just felt like icky. Like I hate that word, but like, that's how I felt. Like I just didn't feel good. And I was like, you know what? Like 
I have been doing life this way for so long and like it has yet to work out. So like, what can I do differently? At that point, it was like a self-awareness. Like I'm the common denominator of all of my problems, all of my dating problems. Like I am the common denominator. So like what needs to change? And I remember my pastor, Chad Veach saying, you know, if you just commit to one day a week for a year, I promise you'll have a total heart transformation. Like your life will be changed. And he said that the day that I raised my hand in church. And I thought about that that next day when I had that like feeling of conviction after sleeping with that guy that I was like, I had, there's something in me that has to transform. So I stop giving so much of myself away to people who do not deserve it. Cause that was my whole story. Like throughout college, I was a complete disaster. I was drinking four nights a week, sleeping with whoever was next to me. Like it was not healthy. It was very, I don't even know the word, but the saddest part is everyone around me was doing the same thing. And also like no one was telling me it wasn't good. And so I'm just thinking every time I'm going to be fulfilled, but I never was. I just was more broken after every time. So you feel like the fulfillment that you got moving forward was so much more to like replace the fulfillment that you were chasing, but never getting through sex, basically. Exactly. I mean, I do feel like I am not very, like I I said this earlier, but I'm not a very emotional person. Like it's really hard for me to be vulnerable with vulnerable with words with how I feel. So I think I used sex as my way of showing love when I liked someone. And so I, that, that's, if I liked a guy, I would sleep with him because that's, that's how I would tell them that I liked them. And when that wasn't reciprocated, then I was like, wait, but I had sex with you. So that's me telling you, I like you. So why aren't you now? Why aren't we dating? That was like my whole story. And so I just kind of got to the point of like, okay, this isn't working anymore. Like something has to change. And I really was seeking something greater, something deeper, something more fulfilling. And I found that in God. One of the things that I know I've heard you and Nico talk about, or like the three of us or four of us or whatever talk about is when you chase after the heart of God, those behavior tendencies will naturally change versus Mm -hmm. when you're just focused on changing a behavior, it almost feels like more bondage or like more works versus relationships. So like touch on that a little bit in the, in the pursuit of God's heart versus just the pursuit of trying not to have sex before marriage. Yeah. I think like once you start and, you know, I'm trying to, you know, word this in a way, like if I was listening to this, like before I was saved, I think like a lot of things, like people can tell you not to have sex before marriage. People can tell you to be a good person, to work on your anger, like to do all these things. And when you hear that, it kind of sounds like, oh, I have to do this. It like feels like an obligation, which can make people not want to do it. But I think it comes down to anything. Like it, it was a rock bottom moment for me, like where I was like, okay, I'm either going to stay this way forever or I'm going to change. And I think I was so passionate about changing and getting into a healthy relationship that I started to study who God was. And, and, you know, they say the Bible is the only book that you read that actually studies you. So as I'm like, you know, reading the Bible and like really having no idea what I'm looking at or reading, I just, I started to have this life transformation and I stopped cussing. Like it sounds so silly and so stupid, But like when people cuss around me, I get really uncomfortable now, which is so strange because like I grew up swearing my whole life. My whole family swears like we're 100% Italian. Like it's just part of our verbiage, you know? 
And it just like gradually started changing like music I listened to, like all of that, like without me really trying, it just, it's so hard to explain without like experiencing it. And that's what like, I would tell someone who, you know, is like who I was before I was saved. Like you just have to go for it because it's really hard to like convince someone or explain to someone the goodness and the greatness of it without experiencing it. Like you have, you have to experience it to know the feeling. And you touched a little bit about like you felt convicted after you slept with that guy. Yeah. Touch a little bit on like what's the difference between the Holy Spirit convicting you like because God wants what's best versus the enemy like making you feel ashamed. Like shame is from the enemy and conviction is actually like of the Lord. Like what would you say is the biggest difference between the two? I mean, obviously like shame and like embarrassment and all that is not from God. And so whenever those feelings get to you, it can almost make you spiral into like doing it again. Like, oh, I effed up. I might as well just keep going. Exactly. And I think conviction comes from a place of like, God wants the best for you. And so he's like stirring something up in your spirit to like remind you that like he has better for you. And that I feel like that's the best way I can put like feeling convicted and, you know, and this is not for anyone listening. Like this is not like an overnight thing on that. Thanksgiving was not the last time I had sex. That was the day that I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. That was like my defining moment of like, I want to work on this. It wasn't like I'm all of a sudden pure and like done. I think that defining moment was, and this ties into, and I've talked about this on other episodes, but ties into like who you surround yourself with when you're walking, you know, your faith journey. But in March of 2018, I went to Miami and very similar story, drank too much, was around the wrong people, slept with someone. And that was March of 2018. And the, and I, until Nico was had and had sex again from that date. And that was like, I experienced every feeling of shame, guilt, embarrassment. And then also like the conviction of like, you're done. And that was my like real rock bottom. And at that point, you know, cause I, I had already started reading all about relationships and sex and dating to the point where I literally was a Christian for like a hot minute and started like a woman's group on relationships. I just felt it in my spirit that I was supposed to do it, posted it on Instagram, had over 30 girls in my living room every week for a year and a half. And in that time, I slept with someone that month of March and I had to come back and tell everyone in the group what had just happened. Cause you know, who, who am I to sit there and preach to women about, you know, saving themselves for marriage. And then I'm, you know, the leader of the group and went and slept with someone, <laughs> not my finest moment, but I do feel like God allowed that to happen for that moment of clarity to happen for me. And that after that moment is when I really, 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 um, I was done. Like I was saving myself. What would you say to someone, because like you just described that as having this rock bottom moment, what would you say to someone that maybe hasn't had a rock bottom moment, but they're feeling like an unction to stop having sex or to stop sexualizing themselves or their partner or whatever before marriage without, like, what would your advice be to them without having to hit that rock bottom point? Like what benefits do you see to it? And like, what are some recommendations or advice that you could give to someone who's maybe like just driving in the car right now and thinking, you know what, I would like to try that. Like, What advice would you give them? I would say 
to go run as fast as you can and buy the book The Weight by Megan Good and Devon Franklin. They're a married couple and they, um, I feel like their stories are kind of similar to mine and Nico's. And and by Megan Good, she means the, the ac- Megan Good. Yes, the actress Megan Good. Her story is so amazing and I feel like the book really, actually my friend's ex-boyfriend bought me that book. And it changed, when I say it changed my life, I mean, if, if you've been listening to many of the episodes on the show, then you've heard me talk about it. The book essentially is all about waiting until marriage for sex, but it's really about delaying gratification in all areas of your life to get God's A plan. And whether you're a Christian or not, the book makes sense. And if you're someone who feels like they are just taken advantage of by men all the time and they just want something better or different for their life, I would just start with that book because it's going to outline so many amazing, mind-blowing things that like, when you're reading them, it's going to sound like common sense. And then it's going to feel so easy to just start applying it like day by day. And like, that's what I did. And I swear to you that like, after I read that book, everything changed in my life. What advice would you give to someone or like, what would you just bluntly say? Like like people all the time, I feel like ask me, ask you, I don't understand why he won't marry me. Whether they are or not having sex with that person, like they're kind of like playing house, Mm. like cooking for them and like, yeah. And just Mm. like, there's really no reason to get married because nothing really would change or like maybe they're already living together or whatever, you know? Yeah. Like I can relate to that because Gray and I basically did that. Like we slept together and then I was like, wait, I actually don't want to do this. Like I do actually like see a future with you. So I don't want us to have sex. So then we didn't for the longest time, Mm -hmm. but because we had already slept together for a little bit, we were still staying the night with each other and like all these things. And I remember like, why won't he get into a position of marriage? Mm -hmm. But we were already playing house. Yeah. What would you, what advice would you give to someone like, to break those patterns, like in a way that it's not just going to completely like ruffle the feathers and like make the guy want to leave. Yeah. I mean, I think it's never too late to start something new or to try something new, even if it is very inconvenient, like it, in the, it is for both of your best interests in the long run. And I think if you're listening and you're feel like you are never going to get asked to, to get married, I think that, or you're in a living situation where maybe you want to try to not have sex anymore, but you guys live together. And I think at the end of the day, if someone is actually in it for the long run and for you, they're going to stick by and respect anything that you decide you want, because if they actually value you, then why, why would they say no? If it's something that you're doing because you want to respect yourself and better the relationship, then if they're actually in it for you, then, and they say no, then I feel like that shows you a lot about their character and who they are. And I think boundaries, like boundaries are going to be number one, even if you're living together and you feel like you can't separate for whatever reason, like your living situation, then put boundaries in play and just give yourself grace when you slip up because it's inevitable. What do you feel like if like taking God out of the picture Mm -hmm. for a second? So if, anyone's not a Christian or they don't want to be a Christian, they're completely feel like they're fine the way that they are. What would you tell them or like even still some benefits of why you could, would still even recommend without this like relational pursuit with God, what are the benefits physically of just not having sex before marriage? 
Yeah, I mean, this is something that I wish I was more exposed to when I wasn't a believer or wasn't a Christian, because like I said, if I had read the book, The Weight, when I wasn't a Christian, I still think I would have wanted to stop having sex because it just makes sense. Because when you're not physical with someone, you are forced to communicate with them. You have nothing else to do but communicate and get to know each other. And you find out really, really quick if you're into that person or not, if you guys actually have things in common long-term, if your values align, like you, when you're not physical, you get to know someone a lot faster. And I always say like, if I had not been physical with my ex-boyfriend, we dated almost four years. It started off as like a one night stand. And then we ended up just dating and it was just pretty much purely physical. And when the relationship, and we, we lived together for years And when the relationship went south and we weren't having sex anymore, we literally had nothing to talk about because we actually didn't even like each other. And I just think that is so common in relationships. Like when, when the, when you're not on good terms and you stop having sex, you actually don't even have anything in common. And when I broke up with my ex, I was like, we literally have nothing in common. Don't you want to date someone who like likes the things you like? And likes you at the end of the day. And I think that when you have that strong foundation of communication, everything else will work itself out. And what would you say to like people that, you know, maybe they've conquered physically avoiding their partner, but maybe they're like turning to porn or maybe they're, Mm. you know, really looking for that fulfillment in other places. Like what would your advice be for that? I mean, it will never fulfill you. So my advice would be to turn away from anything that is still making you feel not good at the end of the day and to turn to something more fulfilling. And and that doesn't have to be, you know, God that can be listened to in in a motivational speech, read um, an uplifting book. Like it doesn't have to be God. I think that anything that makes you not feel good at the end of the day should go. And I, porn is not going to make you feel good at the end of the day. It's going to be instant gratification. And then you're going to feel like crap afterwards because you know you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. So many people have this like great, you know, argument for porn. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, name like one couple or like one marriage or whoever that came to you and was like, man, when we really hit the porn, our lives got better. So no one ever. No one ever. I don't understand like what the big, like it's for such a small second of gratification that literally mentally, emotionally has such weighted. I'm not saying this so aggressively to make anyone feel bad who's like currently watching porn. And you have a great episode on Mm -hmm. porn that I would recommend anyone to go back and watch or listen to. But my point is, is that just, it's not about like even the act, it's about like the heart and the pursuit of God, which I love so much about you. And when I used to hear you, like when I didn't know you that well at first, (laughs) I'd be like, this girl probably has no clue what the pursuit actually is before I knew you, Mm because I'm reading your relationship posts and like all this stuff. I'm like, she just has it so well put together. And I remember actually one of the first times I was with you, like, I think it was like the first or second, actually, I think it was the day we met. And you were saying that someone had just commented on your post about not believing that you hadn't slept with your husband because of how you dressed. That still gets me like so riled up for some reason, because modesty is something that like the concept of it that I've struggled with for a long time, especially when I was a new believer, um, because I have felt like my body so over-sexualized my whole life. And I even to the point where I've used my body 
you know, for my own benefit. Um, and so I, I have, I have a figure that is very over-sexualized and I, you know, when people compliment my body, I get really uncomfortable because it's a, it's a place for me where it, it feels like because it's been so over-sexualized that, you know, especially in the Christian community, it's like, okay, well, these jeans make my butt look really good and I have a very curvy figure. So if I wear these, it's going to make other people stumble. So I can't wear these to church to the point where like I have dressed a way that isn't my style or fashion because I'm afraid that if I wear what I like, it's going to be over-sexualized. And that, so that comment on that photo of me on my freaking honeymoon in a very cute white dress where it's not like I have like huge ginormous boobs that are like overflowing out of the dress. Like it was, in my opinion, like very nice and I loved it. And I can't help that God gave me this body. And so, you know, Nico has really helped me get to a point of like, okay, God gave you that body. God formed you. You need to not feel so bad about looking good. And, and it even sounds like I feel even weird saying that, you know, but I think it is at the end of the day, all a heart, a heart issue and heart posture. So if I'm posing in a bikini in a very sexual like pose on the beach, like, of course that's inappropriate. Like you're not going to attract a husband by posting photos like that. But if you're on vacation with your husband and you're in a bikini, like, and you have a good body, like you are not at fault for that. Like I shouldn't be shamed because I'm in a bikini with my husband on vacation. I think there are certain things that are just, you know, there's been photos that have been taken where I just don't feel the need to post them on Instagram. But then there's other things where I'm like, I think this is appropriate. And my heart behind this is not to make someone else look at this to make them stumble, of course. But yeah, that, that comment really rattled me because obviously that person did not know that that, you know, I almost took the picture down because I was like, wait, should I not have posted this? I like got all in my head about it. And, um, and Nico was like, no, that's ridiculous. Like you do not need to take that down. Like, and he has to tell me all the time, like, I'm like, babe, can I wear this to church? He's like, yes, you can wear that. I'm like, I don't know. So it's something I have definitely struggled with. And I do think, you know, there are, you know, when I was single, going out to the bar, wearing super provocative clothing, and like my heart behind that was for attention. And I could say that like very honestly today. And I would never dress like that now, you know, and I, it goes back to my favorite verse, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And in order for him to find you, you already must be behaving like a wife. So is a wife wearing a shirt down to her belly button at the bar? No. And so if you're listening to this and you're dying for your husband, but you're out like twerking in the club with like no clothes on, then like, sorry, sister, but like your dream man is not going to find you there. I have the biggest pet peeve with that. Like I get, there's like women in my life, even like older women, actually more. So with older women, I feel like they really feel the need to like flaunt in order to like find yeah someone. And there's this one girl that I don't think she would ever hear this. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a safe space. It's a safe space. But I just like, she just complains to me all the time about like, these certain type of men wanting her. And I'm looking at her Instagram post and she has three kids and I'm looking at her Instagram post and I'm like, what do you expect to attract? 
You know, like, do you expect to attract, like, you know, I have a, this reminds me of something else too. I have a guy friend that started a podcast for like five seconds. And in his first episode, he talked about how if a girl on Instagram is showing her stuff, she's, he's not attracted, even Mm -hmm. if she's an attractive person. And he got like massacred for it from Christian girls saying like, your eyes are not our responsibility. Like all of this stuff. I mean, I see TikToks all the time, like, you know, the Christian TikTok videos where girls are talking about modesty. And then like, there's other Christian girls that comment that are like, it's not our fault. Like if guys are looking at us, like we wear whatever you want, girl, like you look hot, like work that body, like, like just like really empowering and encouraging them to like dress very provocatively. It's not their fault if a man, you know, stumbles because of it. But again, I think it's the heart posture behind it. And Caden, who was on the show a couple episodes ago, he had said, and I wish I heard this when I was single, if you have to use your body to get a man, it's because you don't think your heart can do it. And like, I feel for your friend and for anyone who feels like their heart can't, can't do it because that was me for so long, which is why I was dressing the way I was dressing and behaving the way I was behaving and attracting the type of man that I was attracting. It wasn't until I started behaving like a wife and I had to study what a wife is and how a wife behaves. It wasn't until I did that that I actually started dating really good quality men. And then I eventually met Nico. What would you say for like the friends that like me right now, thinking about my friend just being like (laughs) a disaster, but like, what's your advice when you were in that phase of your life? I can't really... I don't, I can't really relate because I grew up in such a strong, even though I wasn't waiting for a certain period of my life, like I wasn't like chasing a purity lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I still knew because I came out of the womb, like in such a faith based like environment. So uh, like as a friend to people who aren't on that path, like what would your advice be? Like, how would you have preferred a friend come to you and talk to you back then that like, without being so like overbearing and over Christianized and like all the conversations that like we see and hear people say to other people and we're like rolling our eyes, like I would never speak to someone like that. How would you have liked to have been spoken to? Like, what's your advice for friends that are really close to people that aren't chasing that? What would your advice be to them? Like stay out of it or like Mm, what? I think that's so hard because when you're in a place of denial of where you are in your life, then it's going to be really hard to take criticism from anyone. And I would do what I think my friend BC did, which is he brought me a book that he knew would change my life without him having to say anything to me. He could have been like, I think you're attracting the wrong dudes. What did he say when he brought you the book? He didn't say anything. It was in my room when I got home and and he was over. And he was like, oh, I got you something. I put it in your room. And I was like, oh, what's what's this? And uh, it was the weight. He's like, I think you'll really like it. And I was like, oh my gosh, thanks so much. And I literally like was one page in and I was obsessed. And so I think maybe recommending or getting them a book or something that you think would speak to them louder than like you speaking to them. Mm, Cause I, I think they might take it too personal. Like I know leave I'm, it up to the professionals, like. leave it up to the professionals, but also leave it up to your friend. Mm. Because if you give her a book that, you know, will like change her, it'll be on her, not on you. That's so good. Tell me a little bit about, this is a part where it's like, okay, we're just friends having coffee and no one's listening. I'm having heart palpitations. <laughs> 
<laughs> Obviously, anything can be off the table out of respect for like your and Nico's privacy and stuff like that. But what, mm-hmm. like from a positive standpoint of waiting and different things like sexually, how do you feel like it's paid off? Like, do y'all have the best sex ever because you never had like, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, this is something all of my friends who are non-Christians always ask me like, A, they cannot believe we didn't have sex before marriage. Like they believe we waited, but they're like, I can't believe it. Like, how was it? You know? And I love answering that question because it's amazing. Of course, like God designed sex for marriage. And so of course it's going to bring you closer together. It's going to be more amazing than you ever imagined. And I think it's so funny when people are like, how, and it's what's funnier about this statement is this is how I talked pre like, you know, Jesus was, well, you have to like test drive the car before you buy it. Like, are you crazy? Like this story is so wild, but when I was in college, I found out this these two people from my high school were dating. He was like the player, um, like slept with all the girls, and she, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say she was sleeping around with everyone, but she definitely wasn't a virgin. And um, I found out like he was in Bible school, and we were all like, "He's in Bible school? Like, what a nerd! Like, who does he think he is?" You know, and then. I found out he was dating this this girl, our other friend, and that they were now calling themselves born again virgins. And it was the talk of the town. I was like, okay, excuse me, but that doesn't even make sense. Like you've had sex before. So therefore, literally you cannot be a born again virgin. You are not a virgin. You've had sex. So like, this doesn't even make sense. You're waiting until marriage. Like this is so stupid. And looking back, I just think it was like a funny foreshadow to my life because God was like, that's going to be you, LOL. And I I literally could not believe it. And I remember saying to her, like, how? Like, how could you not? And she couldn't really explain it to me because, again, it's one of those things like you have to experience it to explain. But I think when you save yourself and when you wait, like, and when you build that strong relationship and that strong foundation, that communication, like, you don't, you know, like you just know it's going to be good, you know? And, and also like Nico and I had both had sex with other people before and we have that chemistry. Like you don't, if you don't have chemistry with someone, like I just don't think this is my own opinion, but maybe you shouldn't be together because chemistry is very important. And I feel like chemistry is really going to tell you like how your kind of sexual chemistry is going to be, you know? And so we were never concerned like, oh, this is going to be weird. This is not going to be good. Like that was the issue was almost the opposite. Like we know it's going to be so good. That's why we had 11 o'clock curfews. And so I remember the night of the wedding, like his friends were driving us to the hotel and it was his two of his friends and me, Nico, and like everyone knew what was about to go down. So we were like just all making small talk, like just me, Nico are so nervous in the backseat. And um without saying too much, like obviously the rest is history, but, um, yeah, the sex life is amazing, but I will say we spent a year not being physical that we really had to like train our brains to like have sex because like we're so, we were so used to not doing it that it was almost like we don't need it for our relationship. Like it's a bonus. And so after like the first week of like being so excited about being able to have sex wherever and whenever we want, we were like, oh, wait, we actually don't need this for our relationship. So it was almost like we should probably have sex today because we haven't yet today. And I feel like because we can, we should. But because we don't need it, it was like a weird like retraining of like 
our brains to be like, we can do this and we get to do this. And it's so amazing. But what would you say for someone who you feel like, I mean, and this is a really hard question that we didn't talk about going into, but like a married couple that maybe they're not having good sex and like, they're not, Mm -hmm. they're in a place where it feels like work, like having sex feels like work. Like what's your advice? Have you ever felt that way? I mean, I think because Nico and I are both so busy all the time, I would say there are times where I'm like, I'm so tired. Like, I literally just can't. Like, it seems like so much work. But I I think if people or if there's a couple that's just not having sex often, I would say, like, maybe they're not like, maybe they need to check in with God, like individually and maybe together. But I do think it's, you know, they always say, like, it's not like the movies. It's not going to be, like, so passionful every single time. Like, sometimes it's just, like, I'm having a bad day. We need to have sex, you know? TV shows and movies make it out to be this, like, so romantic passion, like, throw me up against the wall every time when it's not. And I can't even imagine once you have kids, like, how different that gets and and I think it just goes back to your communication and your where your foundation is actually built on, and it's not sex. So if you have strong communication, then you can talk about these problems and and you know move forward with your communication and solving it. How do you feel like it's different for you than Nico? Like in a for example, I feel like, and maybe it's a female versus male thing, but like guys are just like a light switch. You can just like turn yeah. it on, whereas like I'm like. Okay, I need like the whole, not the whole day, but like yeah. being nice, let's talk before, yeah. <laughs> like at least by morning, like let's have a conversation, you know, before we just like are whatever. Like, what do you feel like, like have you seen like that you've had to learn in this area? Yeah, I need to be in a good mental space. Like, if I'm even the slightest annoyed at him, I do not want to have sex. But like, you know, like guys, it's like, they're mad one second, they're not the next. They can have sex at any given moment. Whereas women, it's way more like emotion-based. And so, you know, making sure we're both right spiritually and right with each other before, because if we're not having sex or if we're not like feeling into it or something, then I think it just goes back to like, are we right with God right now? Did you watch any of the Sex, Love, and Goop? show that I told oh, you, you told me but I haven't watched it yet <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know Gwyneth Paltrow just put out a new like series on Netflix it's called Sex Loving Goop I'm not recommending necessarily that like what is taught in this whole thing like is right or whatever I don't know I'm not a sex expert I definitely <laughs> don't know but I will say growing up in such a faith-based home like there are things that like no one ever taught me. I went yeah. to a Christian school. I never had a sex ed class. Like there are so many things that I knew nothing about that I learned. I wish that all of my friends that I grew up with would watch like at least the first one or two episodes of the show because they talk about sexual chemistry and like mm. if two people are different sexually, does that mean that they can't like work out? And there's a couple on there that they've been together for six years and have kids and like, you know, like how do you turn the spark back on? Yeah. And give some really, really good educational advice in there. And I do recommend it to any, like, I recommend it. Like, I feel like, you know, you should watch it and report back to us on the show what your thoughts are. I'm a little nervous based off of what you told me about it. Okay, we went back and forth a thousand times if we were going to bring this up on this episode. And I finally won because I'm really persistent. But one of the things about Nicole that like I love so much about her is truly like how real she is. And I think that when you see someone that lives such like a beautiful life, like you're beautiful, your relationships are beautiful, 
the things you get to do for work are beautiful. I think people sometimes like really judge or not judge, but just assume. Yeah. So even like you talking about having sex or whatever, but we like joke and this is like, she's turning red right now. (laughs) So I like bring this up. Like one of the, we were like having a girl's night and we were like talking about sex, like just like normal girl sex talk. (laughs) And Nicole like let me in on a little bit of information that like, y'all, when she said she's like really come a long way, she like really has. She literally used to sell sex toys. (laughs) Okay. I don't even know if this business is still around, but it was one of my many side hustles that I had in college. It's basically like a, you like host a party and like sell sex toys. Like I was the consultant. Like a pyramid scheme. Yeah, exactly. I was the consultant for the brand. Do you, and you don't use sex toys now, right? No. Yeah. See, I think there's something that's like, When you said that, I don't know why I was so flabbergasted. And I feel like people listening to this would be too. Like, so flabbergasted by the fact that you, this like precious person talking about precious matters, like Mm -hmm. that was literally part of your past. And I'm not saying again, like anyone who uses sex toys or like anything like that, like that that's wrong. I, you know, it's like even a big topic of conversation, like once you're married, if it's wrong or like not, you know, like all of that's not what we're talking about. But for me, like the reason why I wanted you to talk, like talk about that or share that is because it really shows like the true journey of transformation and just like how it's not a destination, but like the progress, you know? Yeah. It's 100%. Like I haven't, I mean, I've given surface level pretty much responses to like my past, like, I I think, and I did, I got rid of everything I had when I decided that I was going to wait until marriage. I'm not against anything. I'm not against sex toys within, you know, marriage. Right. I think they can for sure spice things up. But um, yeah, that was definitely, sex was just so openly a common, normal thing. Like I bragged about that in college. I was I was out at the bar inviting everyone I could in the girls' bathroom, just wasted. I'm like, who wants to come to my sex toy party? And it was just like I I'm embarrassed now, but like at that time I was so proud. And like no one else was questioning it, you know? And I think that really like I'm so passionate about speaking and encouraging women who remind me of myself, like pre like having a relationship with God. Because I can, I can look at them and like, I know it's possible to change. Like if I can do it, literally anyone can do it. And so when people are like, oh, it would be so hard to not have sex until marriage. Yeah, it actually is really hard. And I said the same thing and it is possible and I did do it. And like, I feel like anyone can, it, you just have to have the mindset. And the bottom line for anyone who's like, but why would I, like, why would I want to do that? Like sex is great. Like, why would I want to stop? Like, I feel like the bottom line that you shared just to like put a pretty bow on this and wrap it up would be God's, God really wants what's best for you. And mm-hmm. he's not trying to like rid you or like keep this like fun thing from you just because he can say it mm-hmm. to not do it. It's because he truly wants the rest of your life to be as amazing as possible. Yeah. And I, I think so many of my friends have said to me my whole life, like you are one of the most accelerated Christians I've ever met. Like I've been a Christian my whole life and have not been living this way. Like you've been a Christian for like three years and like, look at all the things God has done. 
And, and I always say it's because I was so passionate and dedicated and com- committed to like getting the best life for myself. Like I was so tired of living the way I was living that, and I, and I think this ties back to the book, the weight, like it's about getting God's a plan for your life. Like, of course he has a B plan, a C plan. Like he's never going to let you down or like disappoint you. But if you want God's best, like the Bible is literally like for you to learn how to live God's best plan for your life. And that's, what's so amazing about grace is like when you do, when we do, cause we all do at mm-hmm. some point, multiple times, like screw it up because of grace plan B and C can completely become the new plan a exactly and that's what I love about your story and like you and Nico are clearly plan a like that was clearly (laughs) the intent God's plan for your life from the beginning of time and even though regardless of the people like in your past or like even not even in relationships but just like friendships or whatever that could have like steered you like I don't know, but like just pretending like, what if you had a friend in Michigan that was your best friend and was like, don't go to LA and you let Mm -hmm. this girlfriend like be that voice in your life or whatever. Yeah. Like God's plant, God will always redeem like anything or he can and will redeem anything if you let him. Totally. I mean, if I had stayed in Michigan, he would have still found a way to get to me. Exactly. Okay. Well, this was so good. And I feel like Uh, the sweating can come to an end. (laughs) My gosh. (laughs) you are out of the hot seat for now maybe maybe sometime in season two we'll do it again and and if y'all do want to send in the hard questions send them in yeah Courtney loves the like uncomfortable questions and as a listener myself of podcasts I love listening to the answers to the uncomfortable questions and so I'm trying to be more open you know to answering the uncomfortable questions because I do think they are the most beneficial for learning and so If anyone does have specific questions, let us know and we can do another, maybe part two. Yeah, part two of the uncomfortable question. The uncomfortable dream check. (laughs) The uncomfortable dream check. I love it. Okay, say goodbye to everyone for a little bit. This is the end of season one. What do you want to say to everyone? I want to say thank you. You're putting me on the spot again. (laughs) I want to say thank you to everyone for honestly listening and supporting. And um, I really had no expectations going into this. I just, you know, felt like God really put it on my heart to start the podcast, literally in the busiest wedding season of my life. And everything has exceeded my expectations. And I'm so excited for season two. We have so much planned and I cannot wait for this little break to like prep and prepare and make season two even better. So if you guys have any suggestions on on guests you want to hear interviewed, on topics you want to hear talked about, nothing is too big or out of the question. So definitely let us know and we will see you for season two. Thanks for checking in. 